Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're on the Airwaves to continue our discussion of mission focus. What does it mean to you? Joining us to answer that question is Mr. Tom Radowski, Director of NAVAIR's Sustainment Group. Sir, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So when you think of the phrase mission focus, what does it mean to you? And how, how does mission focus come to play in sustainment? Yeah, it's a very key question, I think, today of trying to describe what we mean by mission focus, and more importantly, how we actually deliver capabilities. Uh, ultimately, when I think of mission focus, I'm thinking about the ultimate outcome of what we do, not necessarily the activities that are required to deliver outcomes, but ultimately reaching the outcome. Um, in sustainment, it's one of those key elements that uh, it is an outcome of delivering to the fleet what it is to sustain the naval aviation assets that we have. And so ultimately, when I think about what our role is, it's about delivery, it's about final outcomes. So we often hear you speak of the workforce, quote, moving closer to the flight line. Talk to me about what this means from a sustainment perspective. When I say moving closer to the flight line, I'm saying to each and every individual, do you understand your contribution to that final outcome to the flight line? And so it's not necessarily physically moving closer to the flight line. It's having an awareness of what my contribution is to the flight line. And so sometimes as we kind of get caught up in our program executions or delivery of integrated product support elements, it really is to say, okay, do you understand the contribution to the flight line and the urgency by which we need to deliver? And so that's moving closer understanding what that outcome needs to be, when it needs to be, and doing everything I can day in and day out of actually delivering that as soon as I can. Describe the relationship between workforce proficiency and sustainment. How does this impact the mission focus of an organization? It gets right down to we got to be really good at what we do. When we talk about our adversaries and peer-to-peer -peer and those types of words, we have got to up our game to actually not only deliver when items are needed. Uh, we should be working every day to try to beat those dates, but it's also having the proficiency to ultimately deliver those things with the high quality standards that, that the warfighter deserves. So this proficiency question is very critical. We cannot afford to just allow uh, our critical skill sets to atrophy. Uh, we have got to make sure that our workforce understands what it is they need to be doing, be able to be not only good at it, but to be stellar and excellent at what they do. And so without that, you really challenge your ability to have sustainment. You really challenge the ability of actually providing that warfighter the ultimate to be dominant in the battle space. So we, we owe that to them to actually be excellent in what we do. You mentioned adversaries. We know our competitors are outpacing us, the rapid pace of technology development, and we need to increase readiness. So how do we incentivize urgency on our teams? Yeah, it's uh, difficult sometimes when you see a lot of the different briefs that go on at the higher echelons and kind of really see the broad picture of what's happening in the world. I try to instill f folks who may not have access to a lot of the information that, that uh, most senior leadership sees to kind of say, watch the news, see what's going on in the world today. As we always know, uh, when a crisis does occur, where's the carriers? That means where's the air wing? That means where are the products that we support each and every day to bring to bear to whatever the nation needs. And so ultimately, 
the adversaries and, and as they try to take more and more space and we get more and more of a peer view, our contribution is to accelerate what we do, deliver quality as quickly as we can to grow a gap in between where the peer, uh, where the adversary is and uh, avoid a peer-to-peer -peer type of uh, conflict. So can you give us an example of urgency and a mission focus in practice? The most clearest one that uh, I view is the uh, most recent activities within the FRC. We have a Sustainment Vision 2020 activity and we were going down a path of developing the Naval Aviation Sustainment Center and the NASC, which is going to be a kind of a fusion of a lot of data sets to actually look at our maintenance and the overall uh, capabilities of the uh, aircraft in our fleet. Got it. Um, but now we have this readiness issue and we have aircraft that are in need right now. If you look at the standard approach we were taking, it was looking at a, oh, well, here's the various steps through the program to uh, develop the NAS, develop the capabilities. We'll prototype it here at Pax River and eventually we'll move it down to Airland and integrate that within the uh, TICOM. Uh, Vice Admiral Peters said, why not just do it now? Great question. Well, you know, we can look back and say, well, we got to mature and we got to prototype it and this and that. And those are all discussions we had. But we have done a great job of integrating data sets like we've never done before. Our data analytics is growing leaps and bounds. We have insights into how the air wings are operating today. We can go down to different BUNOs. So we have capabilities today, although not the final nirvana that we originally planned, but it's ultimately something that has benefit to the fleet. So in a very short, short period of time, let's pack up what we have here, let's get it down to air land, and let's start it. And, and since then, we've done tremendous. We've touched about the uh, latest uh, numbers I received just the other day, about 142 different aircraft. And we've probably, based upon their assessments, looked at probably bringing two air wings of aircraft up that otherwise would still be down. It's a contribution to the flight line. It's moving closer to the flight line. And in this case, it's a physical capability that we've put at the TICOM that otherwise would not have been done. And so we're making benefits and strides across the board. That got down to thinking about things differently. That's awesome. So what were your biggest barriers in trying to accomplish this? It goes down to one, I think, very simple. Recognizing the opportunity. If we kind of look at the way we operate many times, it's a very pragmatic approach to execution. I, I have an idea, I go get the resources, get the contributions, be it funding and people and whatnot. I start executing to a plan, that plan then executes, I then deliver a product, that product then gets fielded. This was about looking at something that was in flow, had immediate value, although not fully mature, talking about the risk of it. There really is no a real risk to it since we didn't have it to begin with, so we're now leveraging new capabilities, leveraging it immediately. So it comes down to recognizing the opportunity. What can we do today? Speaking of opportunities, what do you think your team learned from this? I think they learned that don't be constrained. Don't assume that the plan that you're executing is the only path to actually outcomes. Uh, getting back to the outcome question, this mission focus is not about the activity of execution of the items, it's about the final delivery of the items. So it's the learning that you could actually deliver 
incremental capabilities while at the same time you're maturing to that broader nirvana that you're looking for and providing value directly to the warfighter. Uh, what we learned was you don't have to wait, you can move out. And you can move out with urgency and ultimately deliver capabilities that otherwise would still be dormant to the fleet flight line. So you touched on risk associated to the new capability. How did you get your team to be more comfortable making decisions? I spent a lot of my career in, in risk, um, defining risk, doing the analytics of risk, likelihood consequence, you know, when an risk gets identified and becomes uh, an issue, you know, what do you do and, and those types of things. I've learned over my time though, I'm, I'm looking at risk much differently. I'm, I'm looking at the problem statements that are out there and the challenges is, okay, what's the consequence? I don't necessarily worry about the likelihood as much. I, I think about the consequence. And the core question uh, I ask myself these days and I try to have the teams ask is, can you recover if you realize the consequence? Can you recover? And of course, you can go all the way to the far left side of the spectrum and say, okay, when you talk about airworthiness, there's critical lives at risk type things. And, and I'm not talking about those aspects. What I'm talking about is the the core, look at how we do our business, look how we operate our teams, all the way to look at the opportunities and, and don't be shy of, well, what risk do I need to take? What's the likelihood of that happening? Well, just assume, what's the consequence? If the consequence is, hey, this could actually uh, not work, well, we could be thinking, uh, looking at additive manufacturing. Uh, we talk about the different concepts of what I can print. Hey, if a part is breaking today, and it's not airworthy, but it's breaking today, and I go print it, what's my consequence? Well, the part might break. Well, you're living with that today. You could be buying back readiness with probably little to no risk whatsoever, and the consequence is something that you already have today. Of course, we would try to better the game and better the fleet's opportunity for it, but we wouldn't have a readiness challenge. We would actually have an ability to kind of mitigate the readiness challenge. And so it really comes down to thinking about the broader aspects of the consequence. Ask ourselves, what's the consequence? What's the consequence of instead of having 10 people review a document, having two people review the document, right? Many times I get documents to review and sign and I'm reviewing it, but I'm not making any constructive changes. So what's the consequence of that? Maybe I don't need to, maybe I need to be aware, but I don't necessarily need to review. And so it's, it's those types of things we have to think long and hard. So this risk statement, consequence, I think of it differently nowadays. Continuing that thought, leadership has encouraged us as a workforce to, to think critically. How does that help us to increase speed and effectiveness? Yeah, I think it's the point of decision, where decisions get made. If you have a very hierarchical organization and you're used to raising kind of mid-level or high-level decisions up, up the chain, you will always do that. And that is time. It's time to actually have the team prepare the briefs. It's education, the folks that need to make the decisions. And so, if you look at that time and energy and resources expensed, I go, that's not really the point of decision. Um, in fact, sometimes when you elevate things, there's just going to be questions that really in the end may have no relevance to the specific 
a question that's on the table. Let's get it down to the folks who actually know best and have them make those decisions. And then really, as uh, Secretary Gertz just uh, shared with us in our in FOCES uh, offsite we just had, uh, before you look up, look down. Before you look for help from higher levels of leadership, look within first. And in many times, you may find exactly what you need to decide right then and there. The other aspect that we've talked about the leadership team is how do we groom our folks to make decisions? In many cases, how have we allowed, and in fact this is a leadership challenge, how have we allowed folks within the, the lower levels of the organization is where the work is, is happening. How do we create the environment for them to make those decisions and help them uh, groom them to actually make those lower level, mid-level decisions? And as I found in my own career path, as I began to make decisions, I became more and more comfortable with mid-level decisions, and I became very comfortable with very senior level type decisions, very critical airworthiness decisions on what to do. Well informed by an incredibly talented pool of engineers and scientists, and, and you, you, you have to allow though the workforce to experiment in making decisions, and it's just gonna make a stronger leadership core as we move out from here. Talk to me about the power of relationships. How do relationships internally and externally contribute to mission success? Yeah, it comes right down to the relationship you're building is the speed of the trust. It's also about the, the confidence building of not only just individuals, but of the processes. Having the confidence that folks focus on mission outcomes, mission focused is all tied and well understood. And then as we look at the system and uh, folks would use a name or an office or a command, it's having that preset understanding of what they do, how they do it, and having a very broad understanding of, and detailed to a lot of extent of how they execute to allow decisions to be made. Move out. I trust you. That's exactly what we need to be doing. And that starts with those relationships that we build. I talk about with a lot of the folks I mentor is the, the networking. And you want to network. You want to kind of get out and about and not only just network to understand what other people do in their jobs just from a professional development and opportunity basis, but also those folks that you're networking with as you go through your career, you'll create relationships with folks and they'll understand you, you'll understand them and it's very easy as I've done many times, well let me make a call while we're in a meeting. I'll just pick up the phone and make a call. And it's amazing how you can actually get things resolved just that quick. Okay, at my level, I could do that. I do do that. But how great is it as you push it down and you have folks really at the front line, I know Joe and let me make that call. I don't think I have a help needed first. Let me use all the authorities that I have at my disposal. That means reaching out and picking up the phone and talking to people you may have networked with and got to know over time they work somewhere else but that's key and that's speed. So looking at those networks, those teams, if I would ask you to list the three most important attributes of a team, of a successful team, what would they be and why? Yeah, great question and uh, over my time I've learned there's probably many, many, many answers to it. So from my observations, it really starts with a team common goals. What is it that we're striving for? What is it that we're after? And making sure that we don't lose that within the team environment. The day-to-day -day activities, the push and pull of different priorities of different things. 
uh, people can get distracted quite easily. I even used in the mission aligned organization discussions we're having at the leadership level is the competing priorities, which is real. And then how do we help the workforce uh, not have as many competing priorities and kind of get focused, so common goals. I would also say that going back to the proficiency uh, aspects, uh, being really good at what we do, having a team that is fully empowered, who can make decisions, who are excellent in what they do, and complement each other in the execution of the tasks before them to actually deliver. So technical acumen, empowerment, being able to make the decisions, and look down before looking up. Look within to make decisions, vice looking up. And then um, I think in the end, we are all here for a purpose of delivery, going back to the outcomes. It's great to have the team march down the field, but if you don't cross that goal line, you really haven't achieved anything. The score is still not a score until it's scored. So ultimately, the mission focus and being able to look at what it is that we're delivering to actually achieve the delivery of the product to the flight line. That's ultimately how we shall all be measured. And so those are the three things. The goals, being very capable of what we do to the full extent of the empowerments that were afforded, and then having that clear mission focus on actually delivery, final delivery of the product. Push across that finish line. Got it. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing what mission focus means to you. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.